0: Hello and welcome uh, to Nets podcast. Uh, we're here today with Peter Kenny-Jones, Oli Maggi and myself, of course, your host, Farrell Keeling, to dissect that Inter win. Um, yeah, pretty pretty big game. It always is at the San Siro. Um, I mean, Oli, I'm just going to start with you here today, just to sort of get your thoughts on what the general sort of feeling was sort of amongst Inter fans around this
1: fixture and whether the game itself met those expectations. Yeah, so it was a tough game. We knew it. And I feel like collectively as Inter fans, we feel pretty satisfied with what we did. It was nil until the 75th minute, I think. So we managed to stop a, a trio in attack, which is like top, top class. So I think we were satisfied, but obviously not fully because of the result but in general on the game, I think it was a a good game.
2: But just think maybe what players you thought, because uh, when they came into it, obviously we would expect, and I think Lautaro Martinez has been, has been linked with us or the Premier League for a while. And I think that was someone that we were looking out for. But I think that, that video of Van Dyke when it was the one-on-one and he, he made them turn around, I think that's maybe ruined his reputation a little bit amongst amongst our fans, although it's, it's no disrespect that Van Dyke does that too. Yeah. But just maybe for the second leg, like, you know, because, you've got to expect that Inter are going to have to go for it and and get a couple of goals. So who do you reckon they'll be the one to watch in the next leg? Who are you expecting to get on the score sheet? Or or do you think it'll just be a similar defensive performance? Lautaro is having a really, really tough period. Um, He's
1: still young. I believe he's one of the best, if not the best, Inter player. And he's never been talked about much, but... Yeah, at the moment he's not really performing at his best, but yeah, definitely second leg. If uh, the coach Inzaghi and the players manage to forget about the previous game and fully focus on the task at hand, which is score at least two goals, I think it could be interesting, especially if they get an early goal. Uh, in specific players, I thought Perisic did a great game. He's performing at his best, I think, recently. Uh, Brozovic is a player who we don't really talk about, but he performs. And he's, I think, the, the most constant player for Inter. Um, and, I mean, Dzeko, if, if he, he reads well a situation. I saw many balls in the first game where Perisic and Jack were uh, connecting really well, even though uh, you guys have, you know, Van Dijk and Konate who are extremely uh, good individually, but also as a, as a couple, as they've, uh, as they've shown.
0: No, absolutely. I've, I've, I mean, just speaking about sort of uh, Berea, I just want to sort of get your thoughts on how, how big of a loss um, was he sort of to the inter-setup and, you know, how do he- had he been available um, for the first leg, could you see the results having changed much?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, FIFA, I feel has been a little bit uh, too hard on that sentence. Like, but yeah, definitely he has been a a big loss for Inter because he's, he's that young player with not much experience, but really, really tough and really, really aggressive. And the, I think he he doesn't allow players like Fabinho or Henderson who are maybe slightly slow in that first second or two when they get the ball, and he's already on you. So I believe he could have troubled a bit more the play of Liverpool. Definitely, yeah. And uh, sort of looking at sort of, you mentioned a few sort of key sort of players there
0: for you, uh, Brozovic, Perisic. uh, uh, Perisic, I thought personally was, was pretty good against us you know it's made sort of Trent Alexander's uh, life a bit of a, a nightmare it needed some sort of supporting sort of backtracking from Mo Salah to help out um, you know as you've rightly mentioned I think you know Brella does sort of get a lot of the the, pl- the plaudits but do you feel that there are any sort of interplayers in particular for you that, that stand
1: out without necessarily getting a lot of the praise yeah uh, as I said Rozovic, Perisic, and Lautaro, all three of them. But I think that one of the best, best prospects, too, for Inter is Bastoni. Uh, on the left-hand side, he's he's not as an attacking player. Like, he doesn't push a lot from the back, but defensively, I think he's one of the best. And he's really, really young, but shows a lot of maturity in his game. And I think with De Vrij and Skriniar, it's a... Um, a great combination because they're they're both experienced and veterans of the game. Well, not as much screenier, but De Vries, uh, and so he's learning a lot. And I think Inzaghi is a great coach for him to develop him further. And I'm pretty sure we'll see him in the Italian national team for a long time. So,
2: yeah, maybe I'm just all right to ask as well. Just obviously with what happened against AC Milan, I think. Maybe some Inter fans would have enjoyed that performance when we had half a team out and managed to beat them. What's their viewpoint? Obviously, I'm sure there would have been a bit of a stick from the Inter fans. Do you know what what they're thinking? Are they laughing at you or do they think you've got a chance in the second leg and are, are waiting to see what happens? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I have a couple of Milan friends, but yeah, no, I think they recognise us as a better team. They won't admit it, but I think in this specific period, we're just better. We, because we both had long-term plans as clubs and I just think we did slightly better. I don't even know exactly the reasoning, but I just think we're better. And yeah, I mean, the chances are chances in a football game, you never know, Liverpool is if not the top club, one of the top clubs in, in the world. So it's a tough one. But as I said, if, if the coach and the team really gets behind the game and really focuses mentally on the mental aspect, because obviously playing at Anfield is also, we're already starting uphill, plus we pay, play at Anfield. So nothing helps, but we can still do it. I just wanted to sort of quickly
0: deviate uh, from the upcoming game and you, you mentioned sort of about the long term plan um for Inter Milan you know obviously it's a similar sort of situation with AC Milan we're talking you know two clubs that you know giants in the game uh, perhaps not the not quite giving reach sort of the peak mm-hmm. of their potential um what, what do you sort of see as being the future of Italian football and of, of the Milan clubs? Because, I mean, it's obviously impressive that, you know, you're still sort of competing for the title, you know, despite the fact you've lost one of your best players, Romelu Lukaku. Yeah.
1: Um, in Italy at the moment, Juventus isn't doing its job uh, based on, on the budgets and, and the strategy behind. The two Milan teams... Um, they had a tough period. I'm talking about 10 years since inter one, uh, the triplete. uh, it's been tough. And just recently, I think in the past two, three years, both of them have developed, both of them are good, have good coaches have good strategy behind their transfer markets behind their, their business plans and stuff. Uh, Finally, some smaller clubs are performing very well. Uh, You may have seen Atalanta uh, popping around in Champions League now. Uh, Roma with Mourinho. They struggled a bit. They are struggling a bit, but I think they're still a really, really good team. Uh, And then you have Fiorentina, Lazio, which, uh, I mean, this weekend was a funny weekend for Serie A because all of the top clubs lost points uh, by losing or drawing with smaller clubs so yes yeah, it's, it's becoming a, an interesting league like the Premier League it's very uh, it's not nothing said until the very end you know
2: yeah and then maybe I'll just ask about um, how you think it's going to go if we go sorry just go back to the game final and we just ask how we think the um what's your score prediction for Anfield which way is it going to go how many are you going to score or how many are we going to score Um, I have to say
1: two results a realistic one and then one uh, a potential one so I'd say 2-0 or 0-2 for Inter and we go to uh, extra time or 1 or 2-0 for Liverpool yeah, in, in the first half, probably 1-0. If that happens, then it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I think as, as Europe has as proven
0: to all of us, I think never sort of count anyone out. Um, I mean, just sort of lastly for me, um, ha- having seen Liverpool play at the San Siro already, if you had to sort of pick one Liverpool player who you'd say the fan base
1: is most concerned about? Who, who would that be for you? Mo Salah. Yeah. Sadio, Firmino, yote they're all really, really good players, really dangerous players, fast, uh, energetic, they have everything, but Salah is just <sighs> that crazy, crazy mind that can change games instantly, you know? I think he's, he's the biggest threat to us.
2: Yeah, I think that's every team I think isn't it? I think mean, he can score against anyone at any time that, that's, uh, that's what he does and that's why he, he's in ours and it may be a flip-faddle question then. what one player from the Inter team could be the next one heading to the Premier League obviously we had Lukaku as he said it was the big money transfer which maybe from Inter or the Serie A who could be the next 100 million pound player that ends up coming to England who would you say to look out for seeing you send the more of us than us
1: I would hate to see it but Barella would be a, a good fit, I think, for a, a top club in the Premier League. Um, not many others, really, because I don't know, I see Italian football so different from the Premier, but Perisic would fit. He, You know, you need some fast-paced players, some experienced players, too. Um And probably Lautaro, because I I won't say Jaco, I I don't think he will ever come back, but maybe Lautaro for a a decent club, he could do well. You know, there are a couple of Italian nationals in the Premier, uh, specifically strikers in the years that have gone by that have done decently well. You know, so yeah, these three, two players. Well, lovely stuff. Lovely
0: stuff. We'll be very much uh, looking forward to that meeting later at Anfield. Um, Ollie, thank you very much uh, for your time. I've enjoyed mm-hmm. having you on here. And we'll be uh, keeping an eye out on that tie and potentially any prospects on the interside and Serie A in general could potentially make their way into the Premier League. Joining me today, we've got the Echoes, Kiefer McDonald, and the Copites, Mick Moran. A great set of results. Uh, to discuss will of course be focusing on Norwich City but you know we had some also awesome fortune in a San Siro against Inter Milan but just to kick things off with Norwich um, Kiefer I'm going to come straight to you with this one here Um, because it was a bit of a sort of a again it feels almost like we're saying this every week sort of a game of two halves but I think it accurately sums up um that home game against Norwich a um, bit of a sort of shaky start and a bit of a scare with that Norwich goal which obviously got the deflection off enough Matic. Um, but you know I think safe to say a spectacular comeback.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think and the key theme in in recent weeks has been Klopp substitutions, haven't they? They've been you know they've, they've changed the games, and we've seen that with win over with, with the win over Burnley. Thiago came on, he controlled it with, in the San Siro as well. Was as Milan were kind of grown into the game, and, and then we saw it again on on Saturday against Norwich, and it really was like you say, it wasn't a vintage Liverpool performance by any means, but you know to get over the line in in so called like like champions, you know they're the kind of performances that people hail as you know that mentality that that Klopp's gone on about for so long, and. You know, it was a, like I say, just to kind of have those options from the bench has is, is, is been really promising. And that's probably why the first half wasn't wasn't as great because, you know, he made seven changes. And, you know, as you're trying to get minutes into everyone's legs, you, you probably do suffer a bit of loss of rhythm. Um, you know, Gomez obviously came in, you know, I thought, he had, I thought he had a decent game defensively. Obviously, you don't get what you get from Trent going forward, but that's not a slide on Joe Gomez. That's just because Trent Alexander-Arnold is probably the best fullback in Europe. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and then obviously you know the two sort of shoots which come on, um, Origi and, and, and Tiago, and, and they absolutely changed the game. And and Liverpool, you know, didn't really look like as, as soon as that first goal went in with Marnie, there was only one team that was going to get over the line. And you know, it was even even the atmosphere it was it was a really like angry atmosphere, but in like a nice way. It was like a it reminded me of the Villa game back in back in December when Emi Martinez was, was up to his antics and, and Anfield really, you know, it was almost it wasn't like a European night because it, it wasn't it didn't have that magical sense. So obviously it was it was only Norwich, but. It was, you know, it was, I think Klopp said in his in his pre-match that, you know, you really wanted the crowd to kind of be up for this, you know. It's it was a Saturday, three o'clock against Norwich, maybe one that you take for granted, you probably take the three points off before you've even put your ticket in the turnstile. But um you know it that, that wasn't the case and, and I thought Norwich for with decent value. Um you know that, that how many teams went to Anfield and, and kind of looked to take on Liverpool and that's what they did. Um but then as you say Liverpool kind of just came back and, and hit back in the second half and, and were thoroughly deserving of the, th- the three points and, and then again an, an hour later City dropped points so it you know it, it almost becomes invaluable those three points and even you, you haven't played at your best it's uh, it's it's what it feels like one of those you know, if I said kind of earmark, it'd be like the villa game in 1920, one that you look at and you think, yeah, that's gonna be worth its weight in gold if we if we do manage to, to pick up the title or pick up something at the end of the season.
0: It's amazing what this Liverpool squad can achieve when we have a genuinely sort of near complete squad. You know, obviously we've had those sort of major injuries in the sense of Jota and uh, Firmino. But for for the most part, we're looking at a practically, for all intents and purposes, a complete Liverpool squad. There's options there to choose from. You pointed at the substitutes and rightly so. I mean, Mick, what sort of what were sort of the standout moments from you
4: uh, against Norwich? Yeah, I think has covered it quite nicely there overall. Like in terms of like Gomez, um, I thought he'd, he'd done well for, for for what he was asked to do. Obviously, playing right back, it's not his most comfortable position. I think he said after the game that he was happy to be back. He wasn't expecting it to be that long without a, without a game. And I think probably all of us expected that. We probably expected Gomez to get a few more games before that. It's just the fact that Matip's kept himself nice and healthy and fit and looking really good. And... Canate is coming and look the beast as well so he's had to he's had to kind of buy this time a little bit but I think it helps that he can play right back obviously like Kiefer said you're not going to get anywhere near the output that Trent does in terms of on the ball Gomez usually plays it in field five yard pass or plays it back to matter. you're not going to get those 50, 60 yard raking balls like Trent does but I thought he did well on the whole considering he's been out of the team for quite a while Um, in terms of Simicast I thought he had a bit of a shaky start but he grew into the game and he's always given 100% and I think he's another option where you're just like, well, it's just nice to have options. Like, obviously, relying on Robbo for so long. And I think Simicast is at the level now where I think he's done an interview after the game where he's saying that he needs to be 100%. He's learning from Robbo and needs to, if he's not 100%, he's not going to play. And I think that's that's the mentality that Klopp kind of enforces. And I think the players, the type of players that we sign, buy into that, otherwise they don't play. That's, that's I think that's the philosophy, and I think that's why we... A, hey, we signed so well and why the, the respond to Klopp and his and his tactics so well as well. But in terms of obviously Oxlade-Chamberlain, Naby um probably didn't have the best game, but I think a much change midfield wasn't it, Naby the and Hendo um, and Oxlade-Chamberlain. So that was, I mean, it, it wasn't great. And I think it's quite telling that after the changes, we did start to kick into gear a little bit more. Um, obviously, it's nice to see Diaz playing as well. I think he's done really well. Um I thought he had a nice little battle against Max Ahrens with the, with the pace and I think Ahrens has, has got that enough pace to kind of stifle Diaz a little bit but I thought he, he, towards the, as the game wore on he kind of started drifting inside a little bit more and I think you can see from his goal anyway, he was on the right, he cuts in and he goes basically into the centre of the pitch for the Henderson pass. So yeah, a load the standout performance. Obviously it weren't great first half, it wasn't good at all watching in terms of <laughs> just the way the game went. It wasn't great, but um, like you said, the changes made the difference again. And like you said, that kind of just proves just how just how good this squad is and how, um, how much the players want to perform when they get put in.
0: No, I, I remember sort of discussing the sort of the game, sort of in, the, in a preview um, before, and I think everyone was sort of expecting it to be another sort of classic Liverpool Norwich, you know, there'd be four or five, maybe six goals. Um, obviously, it didn't quite turn out that way in the first half. Um, I mean, you, you, you've both mentioned, and rightly so, uh, the likes of Costa Simakas, Luis Diaz, Naby Kaita. We're talking key players in the sense of they are pushing our starters, you know, to get their best. We've seen that classically with Andy Robertson. Um, I think, you know, we'll certainly see that with the likes of uh, Mane and Giotto and Firmino sort of going forward, um, but looking more sort of, sort of current starters, one player in particular, who's received a lot of flack uh, from fans online, of course, talking about Jordan Henderson, um, has looked quite impressive of late, Um, I thought. He'd always played a key role in Diaz's first Liverpool goal with an absolutely stunning uh, through ball in the second half. Um, uh, Pete, I'm going to come here, I'm going to throw you a bit of a a curveball because we sort of look at Jordan Henderson and when we think of him, you know, not sort of a deep-lying holding midfielder, but he's been sort of used sort of similarly in in, in that respect in recent weeks uh, when we've not seen Fabinho on the pitch. And he's looked, uh, in my mind, rather good there. Um, So I suppose the question is, do you see that as sort of being the long-term evolutionary plan for for Henderson sort of going forward, especially given that we're, you know, you look at sort of the kind of players coming through, you know, you've got Harvey Elliott, who looks to be that sort of, you know, typical sort of attacking sort of creative midfielder. Is this where sort of Henderson's heading? Almost in a sort of Gerrard-esque fashion, sort of deeper in midfield sort of get the most out of his sort of later years? Well,
2: possibly, obviously. We, we don't know for sure, but I think, you know, we had him in that position and, and we, we chose to get Fabinho, didn't we? And obviously, Fabinho didn't go straight into the team. He did like a, cl- a classic clock move where really. it took him a good few months before he found himself in the starting lineup, And I think... It's clear to everyone that Fabinho was better than Henderson in that position, but not as any slight to John Henderson, just because I think Fabinho was the best in the world there. So I think no matter who we had next to him, he wouldn't have looked as good. Hendo can definitely do that role, and you know. And the main things he's got is obviously his leadership, he's got his energy, he can run up and down and he can pick a pass out that we, we, we've definitely seen. And obviously that's what, what Gerrard did in, in that role and, and why he was so good, especially in that, in that season to Brendan Rodgers when he was firing balls left, right and centre for us. So he could definitely play there. And I think he's probably the only player that the Klopp would trust in a big game. I and mean, obviously Tyler Morton's had a goal there, he played against Tottenham. And I think maybe he's the one for the future he's trying to coach into that position. Hendo um, could probably play in the future but I just think with the age of Fabinho I don't think there's maybe too much need to have him to drop back because he probably needs to play in the date role more but it's good that he's he's fair to enough off to do it cause I don't think we trust any other midfielder we've got to drop back in I don't think you'd see like an Abbey Keita or Oxley Chain when playing that deep role so I think in terms of we already know he can do it and maybe not too much of a transition but he's, he's obviously he's got that strain to his bow and I think if we also look at Ock St. Chamberlain, I think that was a big opportunity for them against Norwich, which you know, obviously he went off and the players come on and the game changes, and you think uh oh, it could have all been his fault. But I think no matter what we'd have had on the the atmosphere picked up so much. I think you know, even if we'd kept the same eleven, it still would have been a totally different performance. I think it was it was a bad time to come off because of how quickly the game changed. But I think for them you know, he's looked a lot more dangerous in the attacking lineup than he has in midfield this season. He only played it two or three times in the wing. Maybe that's where he should be looking to go, but obviously we know he left Arsenal because he wanted to be a centre mid. So I think it's it's tough for him and, and Curtis Jones at the moment to try and find a way into the team. And they've really got to grasp the opportunities when they come. And I don't think Oxlade-Chamberlain did. So it's it's tough for him at the moment, but you know, hopefully he gets himself back in form and we can see him playing a few games later on in the season if we need him.
0: Speaking of a, a player who's absolutely has been grasping uh, opportunities of late, of uh, course, Tiago Alcantara came on against Norwich. And I think all of the fans can agree was largely responsible for helping sort of turn the tide against Norwich. I mean, his, his attributes are sort of known to all, you know, sort of the creativity setting the, the tone and the rhythm of a game. Uh, I mean, Kiefer, when we look at sort of Liverpool players who, we really can't do without, you know, but we're talking about the, the ones that are key to a sort of a s- a sustained title challenge and sort of our general efforts to retain silverware this year. We're looking at the likes of Mo Salah, we're looking at the likes of Virgil van Dijk, Alisson Becker. To Thiago Alcantara, I suppose, is he in that sort of conversation and further to that, you know, g- given how we've looked at times without him in the squad this season and, and certainly, you know, looking at sort of the, the win rate um, that we're sort of all familiar with on Twitter, is he elevated sort of beyond that category
3: i think i think him and fabinho are are, are untouchable in that i think they're the two that you'd say i mean you can you can say obviously you put jordan henderson in there as well but i think in terms of having those two places nailed down i think is absolutely tiago and and fabinho and then you'd, you'd say that that third position is henderson's got a firm hand on it but it's not absolutely exclusive to him um you know as we have seen um, in in recent weeks and obviously against Milan, you know Harvey they came in, but yeah you, you talk about Liverpool without Thiago, they just look like a different team. Um, you know we, we saw it in the back end of last season going for top four when when him and Fabinho kind of started that partnership and the game at Old Trafford stands out the four two and you know they were ju- they were just so key towards getting top four and, and then obviously they built on that this season and and even as, as recent as uh, the back end of December when when he did his hip and got COVID and kind of all of that, I think it was. Uh, He played Newcastle, then he missed Tottenham, didn't he? And then he missed Leicester and Chelsea and, you know, Liverpool got what? What one two points from six there, um, and they were you know pretty underwhelming performances, weren't they? So it tells you everything you need to know. And he's and also, if you, you look at Bayern Munich this season as well, like I saw something the other day and it was kind of um, their output like defensively as well. Like they they've suffered having lost him. Um, obviously, they're still obviously the team to beat in the Bundesliga, but they have lost that kind of uh, not defensive stability because of but you know, that kind of maybe that protection in front of the back four. Just someone who's you know, we know, we know, he likes to win the ball high and then get a tackle in, but. Yeah, against Norwich, he was he was absolutely superb, wasn't he? There's that pass, uh, I think it was a two-one or three-one, and he absolutely switched out to uh, Salah, he touched it down, and then Salah nearly pokes it in the far corner. But yeah, he's just he's just unbelievable. I mean, I think he hoax Anfield didn't he with that um, he did that no look pass um, again. He was just absolutely using class, and and it really is, I think Cops kind of got it nailed on in, in recent weeks because you know after Burnley he, he came on at didn't he, and, and had the see out. That one, you know, it was a hard-fought win, it was a hard place to go, so it wasn't the nice conditions. Um, it would have been easy to, to throw him in against Norwich after having played in Milan, um, but I think Klopp knows more than anyone that there's a cup final on the horizon and you've almost got to manage his minutes you know he's not 25 he's you know he's 31 or 30 whatever he is so you know I think it's important not to get carried away because obviously like I say he's absolutely essential to everything that Liverpool do well but we know how injury prone he is and and how fragile he almost is so it's kind of you have got to look at you know think February I think of seven games in 22 days you've got to look at them and probably think right which three is he starting So you've got the cup final you've got into Milan and then, you know, you, you, probably give him you, you probably give him leads, don't you? You know, as, as a kind of a dress rehearsal. Um, but yeah, between, between now and, and May, he's going to be, he's going to, if Liverpool are going to, you know, catch Manchester City and, and go for in the Champions League and, and, you know, winning FA Cup and win a League Cup, you'd think Tiago probably plays 80% of those games because he's just so good and he makes everyone around him better. I think, I think he just like, I think, I think, you know, even Henderson with that with that ball, like does does he try that if Thiago isn't there, or is there? You know, you know once Thiago comes on, and he's kind of dis, you know distributing balls left, right, centre. Does it, it almost gives someone else that lift and maybe that? Um, and I think as well, it, it turned a bit frantic, didn't it? From that, that after the first goal and after the second goal, you could you could sense it was a bit wild and Liverpool just needed to take the sting out of it because it would have been easy to to kind of go gung ho and go for the third, the fourth, and the fifth and maybe get an idle goal difference. But you know, he, he almost he's as good as. Giving it the other way and he knows when to turn in and maybe give it a fullback or give it a centre off or you know just put his foot on the ball rather than just you know go. And I think that is so important because we've seen it at times this season, you know, talk about Chelsea when he wasn't there, the game management wasn't there, was it? You know, two-nil two up and and see play that lead. And it happened at Tottenham two, two one up with 15 minutes ago and, and you end up drawing that. So yeah, I think I think he's just he's he's absolutely I've run out of super for him because he's absolutely immense. He's he's arguably one of the best footballers I think I've ever seen. He's just he's just a, it's a joy to watch him. He was an outfield every single week and the you know, long may continue.
0: I don't think I could have uh, personally described him better. I think mean, you have hit the nail on the head there. It's not just sort of what he brings the side in terms of you know, spraying these beautiful long passes, you know, setting the tone of a game. Uh, he does raise the game with others and that's, that's the perfect, that's a perfect sort of play you want on your side. Every team wants that kind of player. I think it does sort of raise questions, you know, as you've rightly noted, where performance levels have dropped when he's not been in the side uh, through injury or through selection um, about potentially, you know, forward planning, you know, do, do we look into the summer window and think, you know, we need to bring in another kind of player who can similarly offer that um so we don't sort of run into similar sort of pitfalls in future but you know while whilst he's here he's injury free and he's playing beautifully um but well, I mean it's fantastic to watch isn't it um but I mean what, what one sort of discussion that has sort of prevailed on, on on twitter and on generally online of late is of course Manchester City's surprise defeat to Tottenham uh, to the tune of three goals of Harry Kane producing a masterclass um I mean, to be honest with you, Mick, um, I didn't quite believe the score <laughs> uh, when, I, when I saw it. If I'm being completely honest, I expected at home, certainly at the Etihad for City, to um, to wipe the floor with a rather inconsistent Tottenham of late. But, you know, absolutely credit to Antonio Contes, man, they pulled it out of the bag. Um, individual masterclass from Harry Kane and the three points were there, but more critically for Liverpool, it's um, it's it invited the possibility of potentially catching them um, in the race um so i mean for you i mean because we were looking at sort of klopp's press here, it was a bit sort of you know you know it, it, it's let's let's not make a massive deal out of this and you know rightly so there are plenty of games left to play but it, do you reckon this sort of comes down um depending on whether we beat of course leeds and any of the opposition in between does it come down um to that later game at the etihad or can you see there being room for City to lose, uh, drop more points potentially? Uh, either by losing games, of course.
4: Uh, well, ideally they'll lose against Everton, won't they? Uh, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be amazing if that happened. But uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone could have predicted they would have lost to, um, to Spurs. Obviously, Spurs, when when you watch the game back and watch much of the highlights and whatever. The, the tactics they did employ was was really good. Like that, getting uh, Son and and Kane into those high high and wide positions, those flicks over the top, and it worked. It worked to treat against them. I think Kane had won this those as well, didn't he? To be fair, so um, they, they did they did do well, and and it just proves like when City come up against someone, you want the team, you want teams to have a go at them, and it disappoints you when they don't because they're there to be got at. It's just the lower team used to think well oh, it's not worth it because we're just going to get back to it anyway so we'll just sit back and see what we can do try and get them on the break and score one but it doesn't work out like that in terms of them City winning the ball back they're probably the best in the world at doing it in terms of how quickly they do it they do it probably even better than us in terms of they just don't stop running until they get it back and it's it's, it's it's good to watch if you're a neutral I suppose but when you're a Liverpool fan you just want <laughs> you just want them to not get it back so fast but you just got to hold your hands up and just say they're a really terrific team and the fact that they did lose that game and it does open the door for us a little bit. I think the fact that we did play first, I don't know if that put a little bit of extra pressure on us because I think, in our preview anyway, I, I didn't even think of it like that because I think recently they've always played first and it's like, well, it was the first time in a while that we had the first little first little chip at it to kind of see if we could get, the, get over the line and then that maybe... Gets in their head a little bit as well in terms of their setup, and I know it won't have changed their philosophy or whatever, but it maybe does become into does go into the psyche of the players a little bit that oh we need to win this game because Liverpool are breathing down our neck, and I think like Guardiola said recently, Liverpool are a pain in the ass because we keep just keep biting away and keep biting back at them. So yeah, I think there's possibility, especially after the Spurs one, there's a, a more open to the possibility they might drop more points before we play them at Etihad. But I think it's going to get to that game and it's going to be like a, a proper <laughs> old-fashioned, like a relegation six-pointer, but it's like a Premier <laughs> Premier League champion six-pointer in that regard, because it's going to be, it's just going to be one of those proper, proper mad games. Hopefully we come away with the points. But I think after that game, I think there's six games left. Which I think, if we if we keep in touch and distance up until the City game, if we even if we get a draw at the Etihad, there's still six games there where, where we can chip away at them and and hopefully after we've got we got over the line uh, a couple of years ago winning the win the winning the title, I'm hoping that will hold us in better stead in terms of chasing chasing um chasing them down, but um. Yeah, I mean, if they can drop points before then and now, before then and, and, and our game at the NCAA, that'll be superb. But you just look at that game in April and you think that's going to be probably where it's won and lost, really.
0: I mean, it's a bit of a bizarre one, isn't it? Because I remember sort of thinking we're about sort of six or so points away. And I think you know, everyone sort of think, OK, you know, we're still within sort of catching distance here. The title isn't sort of done and dusted. But it seems only since we've sort of... You know, we've beaten Norwich. They've they've dropped points against Tottenham. Then suddenly everyone beyond Merseyside has said, well, the title race is blown (laughs) open now, Um, which is, I mean, it's bizarre, obviously, because we're talking about City. We're talking, if it were any sort of team historically in the Premier League, we we, we wouldn't be thinking the title race is anywhere near close to being done and dusted at this stage in the season with only six points separating us. Um, but, But I suppose going, you know, going forward, I mean, we need to be perfect. That, that's that's the reality of the situation. This is this is the league as it stands. You know, with with a side like uh, Manchester City, uh, but sort of mo- looking more sort of uh, in the near future. Of course, we've got a, a game against Leeds United to worry about. Now, it, it's, it's a difficult one, and Klopp always says, you know, it's one game at a time, and rightly so. Uh, but you can't help but look beyond that, Pete, to the League Cup final. Um, it's it's a competition that's often Mocked by fans, but I think, you know, we all, it's a, it's a trophy. We want to win it, sets the tone for the rest of the season. I think, you know, if you do a small, you know, as small as the trophy the reality is, if you win that, you know, you you are sort of setting the tone well for the rest of the season, aren't you, Pete?
2: Yeah, of course, yeah. And, you know, we always say it to players at the end of the season don't say they finished second five times and third six times. They say, I won the League Cup, I won the Prem, and I won the Champions League. That's what they'll say. So, Obviously for them, it's it's going to be a massive occasion and we'll want to win. I think it probably doesn't help that our game in hand to catch up with City is the game before it because any other time, we'd probably we'd be putting everything to this one, which I, I still think clock will will we'll go strong and we know as Leeds that they'll be a tough opposition. Obviously, you can score against them, but they can score against Duke, so we'll have to be on form to, to get a result. But when you come to the, the cup final weekend, it will have our eye on that and they will be things, you know, especially... Jordan Henderson, he'll be wanting to lift that trophy. You know, that's when you're captain of a club like Liverpool, that's what you judge by. And, you know, people were saying he's better than Gerrard because of what he'd won. And it's been a couple of years since we won something. Obviously, we had the injuries that that killed us last year. And we don't don't really historically or recent history do well in domestic cups. So this is a big one for him to win. Obviously, for him to have won it. 10 years ago with us as well to go on that journey and maybe, you know, bookend it with being a squad player and now being a captain to show up how long he's been at this club for. It's massive for him and, and obviously the whole team, they all want to win stuff and we mentioned Thiago there, obviously he hasn't won anything yet and Joseph, we don't know if he'd be fit but this is a massive one for him as well because of how important he was in the semi-final. So, it's... Um, it's massive for the club and we just you want to keep updating the champions Wall. and as i just said you know you don't you don't put any many times you finish second on it you put the trophies on it and that's what Liverpool Football Club's all about winning trophies and you know we, we, we scoff at the domestic cups but suddenly everyone wants to win the quadruple now it's on so why not do it and to do it you have to win that one first home so. It's just all about momentum, isn't it? I think, you know, we saw that when we had a, a couple of bad results near Christmas, they kind of roll into each other and hopefully it'll be the same for City and we can just keep winning. And, you know, if, if you're a City fan watching us pick a trophy up on Sunday, breathing down the neck, doing well in the Champions League, that, that worries them even if it's not in the same competition. So we've just got to keep the ball rolling, use all our squad players and win as many games as we can and just see what that leaves us with at the end of the season.
0: I mean, Kiefer, uh, I think we have to kind of start strong here. You know, we, we've done our rotating, in my mind, against Norwich. But I, I think, you know, it, it, as Pete sort of rightly said, if we're looking to sort of build some momentum here, we kind of need to start, vaguely at least, the side we're looking to potentially play uh, in the League Cup final. I think Kueven Kelleher um, is likely to sort of come back into side for the final as he's been, uh, you know, the, the main sort of keeper uh, throughout the League Cup. But I think realistically... Uh, beyond beyond here we'll be seeing largely the side we can expect to see in the League Cup final against Leeds
3: yeah 100% I think that's the only way to go as well isn't it because especially given the nature of that that victory over Norwich like You know, it was a game of two halves, literally, wasn't it? So, you know, if you're a clopper, you haven't got that game on Wednesday to almost, you know, the final jest rehearsal, just to kind of iron out any decisions you may have in your head. um, Obviously, Cater and and, and but obviously started that game against Navarro and obviously didn't cover themselves in in a lot of glory. So, you know, you'd expect it to be something like Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago tomorrow. And then, obviously, you'd you'd expect... (coughs) <coughs> sorry you'd expect it to be Diaz um, Salah and Mane and then obviously it depends on what happens with, with Jota later on in the week but you know it's another one like for, for Diaz if you know he's, he's only it'll be his, if he starts tomorrow it'll be what his third start so you, you know he needs to get used to Salah and Mane you know he's still the, the Norwich game is probably his hardest game he's had so far I would say um, you know but up, up against the physical side and you know he wasn't in it for large parts like as as Mix um, said that he had, you know he had a good battle with Aarons but you know, if he can grab another goal tomorrow night and you know, it breeds plenty of confidence. And I think, you know, as, as, as Pete said with, with Guardiola, he's, he's, there's a reason he's gone for the league cup every single year. If it didn't do something to his squad, he, he wouldn't be interested in it. If it was, you know, if it was purely just a, a fixture pile up, but, you know, it cleared us something to that city side. I think, you know, 18, 19, um, when they won it and then they won the next 13 in the road, didn't they? And then obviously picked us to the title. So, you know, you'd be hoping Liverpool could do something similar um, and, and you know, obviously, we know we know Keller has started, but apart from that, you'd, you'd expect it to be a strong side. Obviously, Robbo to be back in, you'd expect Trent to be back in. Um, and then obviously, you've got Canate or massive. I'd personally go with massive on tomorrow and Sunday, but I think rhythm is so important for this side. And I, I think, like I say, just given the nature of that victory against Norwich, you know, it was sh- a shaky first half, I think there'd be nothing better to to go out and you know, beat these 3 0 comfortable, and, you know. We can make some on 60, 70 minutes, um, and everyone's looking fresh and, and firing ahead of Wembley. And then you know you've got good selection headaches to make if you know if Jota is able to feature, if Firmino is able to feature. But if not, you think right, this is a this is a side because obviously Chelsea. I think they play tomorrow, don't they? So you know they'll they'll they have uh, minutes in their legs and, and rhythm, and and it's so important. I think for a big game like Wembley as well, there will be nerves. Um, you know, it is only natural even for players like Tiago Alcantara. You know, even Jordan Henderson, you know, it's, it's against Chelsea. That they're, they're a good side. They're arguably a better cup side than they are a league side. Um, so, so they'll fancy their chances. But, I say, if you can get the, the flavours flowing and the confidence going tomorrow um, with a victory and a strong performance as well, and a statement, you know, does every reason Chelsea would be looking and thinking, you know, we don't, we don't fancy this, or you know, these are these are up for it because there's, there's potentially almost two teams you could field on on Sunday, and they'd both be pretty strong. And and that's just where Liverpool are at, at the minute. But obviously, with that, as as Kopp said, you do get selection headaches, and you know there be people like Curtis Jones knocking on the door. And so you know, if you can have that game tomorrow, to kind of almost think right, this is the final side. And and I don't think Cop will I don't think Cop will say it like that because I don't think he's that kind of manager. I think I think he did um he said, he said today didn't see that you know he's it he was a classic you know we're focusing on on leads and, and nothing beyond leads but you know he might be saying that publicly but I'm sure you know if you're getting a nod by clock tonight that you're playing tomorrow you know that you've got a space you know in the starting lineup on Wembley. so and and it, it goes the same way if, if you don't play well tomorrow night you know that there's three or four players in your position who could potentially take that shit off you you know what I mean so it's 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 an exciting time and, and like I say fingers crossed it's uh, you know, can, can yield a good performance tomorrow.
0: You've almost got to feel a bit sorry for Curtis Jones, having performed largely quite well uh, in January. And then, you know, as, as you say, certainly the options have come back from injury in the African Cup of Nations. And, you know, he hasn't been in the squad uh, for the last three games, I believe, if memory serves right. I mean, in terms of looking looking to Leeds United, uh, the team, I think, largely sort of picks itself in the back line and the forward line, uh, especially, if you know, if, if Jota and Firmino aren't available. Uh, so midfield is the real sort of battleground for players Places in my eyes I think you know we're looking at Fabinho and Thiago Cantara. Um but who would be the third man for you
4: yeah I think I'd go Hendo Fabinho and Thiago I think like Kiefer said before I think that's probably this is the game where you, you're getting ready for, like Kiefer said like it's good because if we do pick that team and we, and we end up winning a good scoreline tomorrow then you go well that's the team that's going to start on Sunday but alternatively if he does throw a, a curveball and throw Curtis Jones in tomorrow, maybe on the left and, and and rest Thiago again and something or something along those lines. Maybe put Kate, keep Cater in and go for Benio Henderson or that that's the thing. There's so many options like Harvey Elliott as well could even come in there. Um but yeah, I just feel like we need to go as strong as possible tomorrow, especially off the back of Beating Norwich with a much changed size, Man City dropping points tomorrow feels massive. Like I'm made up, I'm going because I, I'm, I just can't wait to get in there and, and the atmosphere hopefully be be up there with, with with the best of them tomorrow. So, yeah, I think I can't see him play. Like I said, if he picks the likes of a Curtis Jones and or an Kates, that I'd be I would be really surprised just because this this game. In any other season, obviously Leeds at um, home, it's going to be a a, bit, a good game anyway between between two old rivals. But the fact that so much weighing on it that we, if we win this and then we go ahead and win the 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 Carabao Cup on on Sunday, then that's absolutely huge going into the rest of the season. Like that just gives any any positive catalyst is 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 huge. I think on the club, Eel, I think like Kiefer said, he, he won't be saying, oh, we're, we're looking ahead to the Sunday game, but all eyes will be on that even probably this week building up to tomorrow's game and um, going into Sunday so yeah as strong as possible get a, get a really good win tomorrow a good atmosphere get spirits up and then we can go again and, and um, yeah get get ready for Sunday Huge
0: pressure but you know, as you've rightly noted I think huge rewards if you can win those next sort of couple of games lift a trophy in the process and while I've got you Mick you know what, what sort of what scoreline
4: are you feeling here? Oh <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely shocking And uh, lines, I, t- I t- Not to do them On a Copy podcast Anymore Just because I was Like just Absolutely ruining Myself every week um, You know I'm I'm hoping For like a 3-0 To be honest Tomorrow I'm, I really am Like With the Norwich game I felt like We were going to Come out of the traps Like really quick And I think I felt like that obviously before the team moves was, was was um was out there. And obviously when you see Gomez and you see Simicast and you see Ox and Cater and you see no Bobby and obviously no Jota, then that you kind of readjust your expectations a little bit. And I think that kind of filtered into the performance in terms of that first first half against Norwich. It wasn't it wasn't that quite there. But the fact that, like I just said, um we need a big performance tomorrow and it's gonna be all the big fellas are gonna be starting. I expect a fast start. So we can get one early doors first 10 minutes, then I do think we will hopefully score quite a few because we know, we know what Bielsa's about. He's not going to come and sit back. He's not going to be playing counter attack. in in the same way that maybe uh, Burnley and, and and Norwich have been doing quite well, to be fair to them. Um, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be a proper, hopefully a proper basketball game tomorrow. And I'm hoping for a, even if it's four, four, one or four, two, whatever, just something like that, as long as we get a, Few goals on the board and um, and get and get the win. I don't even care how, how we do it. As long as you get those points and you get back into in, within three points of City going into Sunday is absolutely crucial.
0: There's a huge target to aim there for. And uh, Pete, you know, would, would you match that? Like, would you go for three 0 I think you, you tend to be quite optimistic in general with your
2: with your score lines. Yeah, well, I also hate predicting, so I just go. <laughs> way, I think so. I think sure, Why not? Why not come and beat them six 0 But at him. I think the only thing I think it'd be different from what everyone said there is I think it could be the game for Harvey Elliott. I think it could be a big mental one for him, obviously, where he got the injury. And I think, you know, seeing as, as he come off on the hour mark against Inter, didn't feature at all in his knowledge, we don't think he's going to start the final. I think it'd be harsh for him to, to miss three games in a row. So I think that could be the only thing. And wrap Thiago in cotton wool, maybe give him the last half hour again. And then close to that, I think he'll be he'll be out for it I think I've said it the last three weeks so I think he'll score uh, Him, I think Salah will get a couple So, but I do think Leeds will get on the scoreboard we saw what they were like against United so we can have a, a five minute period and score against any time we've just got to keep on top and hopefully we get through it so I'll say I'll say 5-1 this time let's oh. go for it. We'll, we'll batter them we'll take them all off <laughs> on, the, on the hour mark and they'll get one right at the end that's what we'll do <laughs> I mean
0: Kiefer you know <laughs> pressure's on <laughs> I don't know, you can better that, that'd nearly be
3: a pound of goal, <laughs> wouldn't it? But um I, I'd i say maybe a bit more conservative, probably not, just just to be different. But I'll go 2-0. Um ideally, like like the lad said there, you want to be have a nice cushion going into the last half an hour where you then we then can make a handful of changes and and maybe get the likes of Elliot on or Thiago on or you know, whoever's not starting, get some minutes into their legs. But as long as like it's a strong performance going forward, I think, because if Jota and, like I said, Jota and Firmino aren't playing, obviously we know Salah scores goals, but there's a big burden on whoever's going to be down on the middle on, on Sunday, potentially. So, you know, if that is Mane again, you know, you'd like him to, to get another goal. And, and if that is something, if, you know, if it is Diaz, then, you know, you'd, you'd like to get him another goal. And, and uh, to be honest, I wouldn't even be surprised if he was thrown in tomorrow. It is a bit of a wild shot, but um, I thought he caused havoc, didn't he on, on, on Saturday. Um, you know, as soon as, as soon as the pair of them came on, they uh, him and Thiago, they... Uh, the game immediately opened up but it could, it could be a game for him tomorrow just if if there is potentially uh, you know we know Diaz isn't uh he plays off the left doesn't he and and is obviously better off the left and so it, I wouldn't be surprised to see him but apart from that I would expect obviously Allison will play and obviously Kelly will play on Sunday but I'd expect it to be nine of the, the lads that are gonna that are gonna start on Sunday. But yeah if you can get get plenty of goals keep a clean sheet and and almost I, I, hopefully it's not as chaotic as every other Leeds game because, you know, the, the tendency where we saw it at Erlen Road where it gets a bit wild and challenges are going in left, right and centre. But, yeah, I think they're missing a handful, aren't they? I think they've got Liam Cooper's out. I think, um, they're missing Bamford as well, aren't they? So I think Phillips and maybe, I'm not sure if he's back, but I know he was out the last couple. So they have been conceding goals. They aren't the side that, you know, they were last season. You know, they are in a bit of a relegation fight themselves. So hopefully Liverpool can, you know, capitalise on that with a, with a good performance. And then, you know, straight on to Sunday where, where you're thinking, you know, take the momentum into there and then hopefully, you know, overturn Chelsea and, and lift a couple of Wembley. I uh,
0: know, I think... I'm of the mindset. I mean, it's going to be a bit more of a open game than sort of our last few against you know Norwich and Burnley. I, I um, but again, I think you know it, it says it all that Klopp is is pre-match we're saying you know we need to bring our A game here because otherwise Leeds will eat us alive. Um, injuries or no, and I think for that reason, I can see them getting on the scoreboard with one. I'm, I'm going to go with a a three-one uh, personally. It's going to be a. Sort of testy experience, but hopefully we'll get the win in the end and we can sort of set the right tone uh, for the League Cup final against Chelsea um, in Wembley, of course, or Anfield South. Well, that's been all of us here today. But before we go, um, Keith, I'm going to start with you. Anything you'd like to share with uh, us uh, at all? Any sort of future plans?
3: Uh, nothing, nothing at the moment really obviously you can I'll do a little shameless Twitter plug uh, at Keith and MacD obviously you can catch catch me writing uh, articles on there for, for the likes of the Echo and at Liverpool.com and, and other outlets um, so if you want some pretty hot takes and some mad opinions and, and everything in between then that's probably the, the place to follow but yeah that's that's the plug Out the shameless
0: the sh- today's shameless plug it's got to be done it's got to be done and hey why not make it two Mick what, what's your plans of it I've seen some interesting interviews of late on the copyright. anything sort of in
4: the Pot coming up? Uh, yeah, I've done a few recently that I've put out. Alex Fawn, Taskmaster, um, the main fellow who did Crazy. So that was like, I was like a little kid with that one. Honestly, I had to have a few, few uh, bevvies before that because I was absolutely crap myself. But um, yeah, that was one that I really enjoyed recently. I'm working on a couple. I don't. I don't want to say any names yet, just because I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't want to go. Yeah, I've got this felon, and he just emails me tomorrow and goes, nah, no chance." But um, working on a few more. Fa- that's famous fans on the Copy podcast. you can just search Copy podcast on Twitter or on YouTube, you can find that. Um, and yeah, just working on those really, trying to get some ex players as well, because we've got a few on there at the moment, like Momo Sissoko and Marcus Babbel and Sandra Westerveld and a few others on there. So I'm working on getting a few more. Hopefully, Stigging Bjornaby. That would be working on that one, I can tell you is that but um, if that comes off I'll be absolutely that twelve year old Mick will be made up if that <laughs> one comes off. So um yeah. Um that's about it. And yeah, Mick underscore Moran underscore on uh Twitter. Just follow keefers lead on that one.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll all be keeping an eye out for those upcoming episodes. And it's been great having you both on again. Thanks again for coming on. And uh yeah, it's been us for again today. Uh, Peter Kenny-Jones, Keith McDonald, and Mitt Moran. Of course, myself, Farrell Keeling. Be sure to catch us on the Substack, the Red Nets podcast. Take care for now.